タタタラややいややタラララタタラララタララタタやタラでやいやや Welcome back to a tale of two rivals plus one. I am your host, Todd at FF underscore Bantaman Foster, joined by Dave FF underscore Spaceman Wright. And Todd, way to uh, bless us with some vocal cords there, man. Way to hit those high notes. I took one year of vocal class in high school and I went to half the classes, so I'm pretty good. Who else are we joined by? Yeah, you've got your easygoing plus one, as always, FF underscore Walrus, and really impressed by hitting those high notes, Todd. I mean, I'm not surprised. I know you're a total pitch bitch, and <laughs> you need to be able to hit those high notes, but it's just, it's always great to hear that silky smooth delivery. Do you think the maestro in your house would be able to need somebody of my vocal talents at some point in life? She might. I always forget Katie's a maestro. She is a maestro. She, she has, is a maestro. She is actually yeah, a maestro. She has the degrees. She has the credentials. She's got all the little stick baton things that Kramer plays pool with to prove it. Gentlemen, I think it's safe to say we've all seen Hamilton, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. Multiple, multiple times. I'm only at one listen so far. The soundtrack's been going. Jackson gets down to it. He enjoys it. Uh, Sean, thoughts? Hamilton. I uh, loved it. So I actually was lucky enough to see it in person. And then saw the recording over the weekend here when, once it dropped on Disney+. Plus. So for three years, that's been banging around hard in my house, in my head. And seeing it live was awesome. Seeing it again on July 3rd, of course, as soon as it was available, was yep. fantastic. Just so unbelievably well thought out. The choreography, the songs, the characters, their choices, the repetition of the actors throughout different characters. Just unbelievable. David, I, I mean, I don't think I need to ask... Did you enjoy Hamilton? I loved it. I'm a big fan of Broadway, as you guys couldn't tell just by knowing me, but I really enjoyed it. I have to say, you know, you would expect this from a guy who can't keep the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles straight, but I think I need a second viewing just to take everything in because it was a lot. There was a lot of subtleties that were, that were awesome that I want to sink in a little bit more. Actually, I have. I already watched it twice. I was to say, I, I needed that second viewing, and it was, it was just as good the second time around. Dude, I don't know if we, we haven't talked about this a lot in the show. I am an avid hip-hop fan. Big into the history of hip-hop, been into it my whole life. And when they did the Ten Dual Commandments, which is oh. Biggie's, like, the Ten Crack Commandments, one of my favorite hip-hop songs I said was just so creative. And the way that they did it, I was like, this is just homage, man. This is a dude who's literally taking revolutionary, like, history and turning it into hip-hop, which is just phenomenal hip-hop. I want to be sensitive to this, but I want to say, like, is his name David Diggs? Is that how you pronounce his name? I have never heard it out loud, so I'm not entirely sure. He's the guy who plays Jefferson and Marquez de Lafayette. Marquez de Lafayette is one badass dude. Oh, yeah. Um, Best character. Best character. Yeah, by far. That dude's flow and just ability to just rhyme so many words per minute was oh. just mind-blowing. And when he does it in Guns and Ships with a French accent on top of everything else? But it phenomenal. was phenomenal. Nuts. Nuts. I loved everything. The choreography, the storyline. I think that the way that they presented the history part, I immediately went on being like, I should probably read this book now. Oh, and, the, uh, I've read the book. The book is a tome. It's like 900 pages and it's dense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get through a few basketball books first. So <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. The, absolutely female, fantastic. the female actresses 
had a great performance as well. The two sisters, they were phenomenal. Yes. Oh, who do you think was better? Katie and I go back and forth on this all the time. I like them both. That's all I'll say. I like them both. We, we switched sides on it. That's fair. I want to say it was Renee Else Goldsberry. Uh, she was the one who... She was Angelica. Yes. Yes. Dude, she's, she's very... Like, her voice is just unreal. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Again, her stage presence, too. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So before so, we um, lose our entire listeners, I have one last Hamilton question. So Sean, or Todd, you kind of mentioned it. You love the Duel song. Yep. Was that your favorite song? That and then the song I just butchered. Um, okay. It, it's just yeah. like the comedy relief from it was just so, like so perfect. But yeah, I would say that and uh, my third one probably in there would be Guns and Ships. It's pretty fantastic. That was good. What about you, Sean? Yeah. Guns and Ships is definitely in my top. Th- I want to say nonstop is my favorite, but I feel like that's a cheap like cop-out answer because it's the crescendo of the first act and it's all their character lines coming into one song and you get all the homages to everything else. The Battle of Yorktown, I feel like, is a real sleeper song. And especially like seeing with the choreography and how they do the bullets and everybody stepping up, you know, the background dancers moving around, tracing out all the individual movements. That, that one really is in the top three for me. And, you know, as you see, like, the culmination of the war, what they owe the French that they ultimately cave and go back on and just leave them out to dry. And Lafayette's got a pretty dark tale in the French mm-hmm. Revolution, mostly because he was hung out to dry by the Americans. Yep, absolutely. But I think just all of the, you know, Lawrence and uh, Hercules Mulligan coming back in and everybody kind of meeting up and winning the war and kind of showing some light on what they're going to do after without giving too much away was awesome. So I think Battle, yeah. Battle of Yorktown, Guns and Ships, and then Nonstop. Those are my top three. What about you, Dave? So I'm going to butcher the words. I'm not even going to try. But when Hamilton and his wife meet for the first time, I forget the name of that song. I really enjoyed that, that back and forth. I just, I just really liked Helpless. it. And then also Helpless. that one. Yes. Yep. And then I also liked when Hamilton's writing and they're asking, I forget, I forget the lyrics, which is, which is silly because I just saw it. When he's writing, they're like, why are you writing so much? Or like, whatever that whole yeah. back and forth. Why do you write like time. you're running out of time? Yeah, I really oh, like that. Yeah. Just before we go anywhere further, because like we have to talk about fantasy football, the debate piece where he was doing the first debate with Jefferson. Oh, yeah. That, that was live. Loved it. Highly recommend. It's worth a 7 or $8 subscription to Disney. Whatever it costs. It's definitely worth seven eighty eight. If you're a hip-hop fan, that's enough alone. Tony, it's let's crazy. Let's face it. We've all been in quarantine for three months. Everybody needs something. Just go get it. <laughs> Just go get it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we could talk about Hamilton for two hours. I'm going to bring us back to fantasy football. Welcome back to A Tale of Two Rivals. I hope you enjoyed the Hamilton recap. For our first segment tonight, we're going to have guys that we're never going to give you up. We're never going to let you down. We're never going to run around and desert you. We're never going to say goodbye. We're never going to tell a lie and hurt you. These are guys we just can't let go. We just can't let these guys go. These are guys from day one or at some point we just latched on to and we refuse to let go. From just talking about fantasy football with Dave enough, I feel like I could have made a list of 10 for him. I'm sure he could have made a list of 10 for me. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure if with uh, Sean, I could have put out a few. But Dave just falls in love with so many men in fantasy football that it, it's an easier list to make. In fact, your top one, I laughed hysterically when I saw it on the paper. Because <laughs> I was like, yep, that's totally true. So, so I would say the segment is it's more about like we want to relate with you guys. We all have those situations with guys that we just couldn't let go. Sean, what's a reason why you hold on to players when they've let you down so many times? Pride 
is probably the biggest one there of just, you know, st- staking my claim and then just needing it to be right. Just shamelessly advocating for my own self-importance and just thinking like, you know what? If I thought this guy was good, then damn it, he will be good. Usually it's, you know, they've paid off early and it's been a total fluke and they're always hurt or they've never produced. And I'm constantly making excuses of like, well, the offensive line was bad or quarterback change, new coach, whatever. But that's the big one really is just an unwillingness to be wrong. (laughs) I love it, man. What about you, Dave? I'm a helpless romantic. What can I say? I love a good love story. And and that's what a truther is. You know, it's I'm never going to give you up. It doesn't all the trials and tribulations. We're going to get through this together and you're going to help me win my championship, baby. I feel like mine's probably pride, but it's not. I, I don't admit that it's pride. For me, it's more like, I know you're good. It's not your fault. It's all everybody else's fault. It's you being on that freaking team. It's about you being in this situation. It's about you just not being given the justice you deserve. I just literally just can't let go of the potential that I see in guys. It's not you, it's me. Classic, yeah. you know, classic Costanza. Perfect. Perfect. All in, baby. So, love it. David, why don't you give us your first nominee for the guy that you're never going to turn around in dessert? It's going to be Albert Wilson, the wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. I fell in love with, I came, I was late to the game with Albert Wilson. I think it was the beginning of 2018. You know, he was getting. Starting to leave the Chiefs. Uh, with it was a... fierce, though. It came on hard, oh, dude. Oh, it was summer love. It was it was grease and head over heels, and I was all in. The <laughs> reasons why I'm never going to give up on him: one, I'll always blame the fantasy succubus as the reason why he never fired that first year in Miami, and injuries. And then, Dave, just give up. You know, it's okay to still like up Wilson. Just give up and just, you know, have that fondness in your heart, the emotions it stirred, and look back with love and kindness. Not, no, I'm not ready to give up because last year he ended six of his last seven games. He had five or more targets. Guess what? They got Tua. I love Tua. Todd loves Tua too. Tua's back, baby. Tua. Tua power. Albert Wilson. This is afternoon delight, baby. Ooh. I love it. So let's go. Albert Wilson. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you a ton of statistics, how Albert Wilson was amazing in college at a small school. I think it was Georgia, something, Georgia, something, Georgia state, or he he was great in college. He's got amazing athleticism and he's really been hampered by injuries. And the idea of Tua takes over, is it Chan Gailey's new offensive coordinator who goes five wide receivers? So that gives room for Mike Gusecki and Albert Wilson to be on the field along with Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. And that, that team, give it to me, baby. Give me Albert Wilson. I, he's not dead yet. Sean, do you love Albert Wilson? I love that Dave highlighted Dolphins' number one wide receiver, Preston Williams, in there. Probably most of all. But I'm not nearly as bullish on Albert Wilson as Dave is because I think Dave is more bullish on Albert Wilson than Albert Wilson's mother is. I think the Dolphins have no commitments. They have everything to gain, nothing to lose at this point. He's talented. He's been hampered by injuries. He can do some magical things out of the slot. Or if you're running that five wide receiver set, like Dave said, the versatility there of a player like him with that quick release and those sure hands that he has can get a lot going. And then, you know, it's a fresh system. It's a fresh quarterback. There's nothing stopping him but history and 
What's stopping him is that there's better players in front of him. No, what's stopping him is that he won't <laughs> let me slide into his DMs and he won't accept the, the massages on his hamstring that I'm offering him. That's what he's. That's what's. Well, that's because he probably realizes they won't stop at the well, hamstring, Dave. I hope. I hope you guys all enjoyed listening. This was the last episode of Potato Two Rivals. Um, I Pending don't several sexual harassment cases between Dave and Albert Wilson, we'll have to discontinue. I. I don't. Um, we'll make sure Albert Wilson gets a text from all of us saying that Dave will personally massage his hamstrings for every game. Um, it's okay. He is not allowed in the state of Florida anyway. <laughs> Have you seen the people from Florida? Give me a break. Oh, Albert Wilson lives in Florida, Dave. What are you saying? I'm saying that I'd definitely be allowed in Florida. <laughs> I, 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 anyone from Florida just totally stopped listening. I like the pick. I used to be a Wilson guy. I let go, Dave. But hey, you hold strong, buddy. Kennedy, who's your first one? My first one is Mr. Tevin Coleman, who I have wanted to love forever. But just, man, never really seems to do it. And just since coming into the league, I really thought, like, all right, here's Freeman. There's no way he's going to last. And time has proven that correct. And here's Tevin Coleman, a guy who all the analysis and the Twitter hype saying that, well, he can do it. He can be between the tackles. He's the heir apparent. And then what happens? He gets his shot, and Freeman's out, and he sucks. And he just does not live up to the hype. But now he's in somewhere else where just as of hours ago, there might not be the incumbent running back in Raheem Mostert, and it might just be the Tevin Coleman show on a quarterback who's going to rely on dump-off passes like that, either to the tight end or to the running back, that has a phenomenal offensive line that runs the ball with the second highest rate of everybody in football, and that wants to win games on the back of their running game and their defense. So quitting smoking was easier than quitting Tevin Coleman. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just throw that in there to accentuate the point. Because every time I uh, want to be done, he's just there being like, no, guess what, Sean? I have more opportunity. That's amazing. Yeah. So Tevin Coleman's a guy for me that I don't think I ever let go of, but I don't put him in this category because I think I just tempered my expectations but always felt he had value. In you my know? mind, should have been, should still be, because I'll die on this hill, a perennial high-end RB2. Yeah, that's Assuming fair. he sees, you know, lead back volume. I always see that upside there. I agree with you. I could see that. Tevin Coleman's a guy that I actually liked from when he was in college. And I'm not going to pretend like I watched Indiana football games. It was when you start learning about rookies and you watch their film and you watch highlights and whatever. I loved what I saw from Tevin Coleman. I was just like, this guy's sick. But the one thing I couldn't get out of my head was I'm like, Indiana football? Should I like be impressed with anybody coming out of Indiana football? My point being is that like I, I've it's also worth had that, that whole in thing. Twenty with years, Coleman. this list has included three people. <laughs> yeah, there you go, dude. Yeah. So, anyways, for Coleman, like I've I've always been a guy who's really liked him too. Just I think with Sean is he's always held on to that upside where I'm kind of like, eh, it's a good buy low. I like him. Dave, what about you and Tevin Coleman? Todd, do you remember how high I was in Tevin Coleman his rookie yes. year? Yes. <laughs> Holy smoke. I was off my rock for Tevin Coleman. I'm just ashamed that Sean, who's talking Tevin Coleman up, do you know what stopped Tevin Coleman from hitting? He was doing well his rookie year, and he was winning the battle with Devonta Freeman, and then he fell and got a concussion in the bleeding shower. It, unbelievable. <laughs> a shower right. concussion. I forgot about that. And that stopped that. it. It stopped the ascension. Oh, he was my all goodness. systems go. 
That's so true. I forgot about that. Devonta Freeman never happens. Tevin Coleman is the RB1 that season. I'm I'm upset. He shouldn't have dropped the soap. He should <laughs> Soap on a rope. So that's one of the up all-time up there moments of, hey, Dave Wright likes a fantasy player, a football <laughs> player. You better not like the same guy because that's I was all in on Tevin Coleman. So well, let's be, put it this way, Dave. At this point in the game, it's not about like whether you love a fantasy player. If you like a quarterback, like trade him. If he's on your team, trade him. If Dave likes him, is that does that seem fair, Dave? For quarterbacks, are, are, I got in a heated Daniel Jones argument earlier. Oh, phenomenal! Was it about related to Scott Fish scoring? Hey, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a, a friend of the show. Friend of the show, Alex Duchesne's was love him. Good guy. Was disparaging. Teddy Bridgewater, and I just wasn't having it. I wasn't having it. All right. So while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I'm going to knock out two real quick. Because one is just because I'm still a little upset about it is uh, Andrew Luck. I fell in love with him in 2010 at Stanford. I loved watching him in college. When he retired, I dropped him the first round of a startup in a super flex. Picked him 10 minutes before he retired. He was one of my favorite players of all time. Super unique dude, unreal talent, skilled QB, just fun to watch. I think easily a top 10 QB all time if he plays out his career a little longer. He's not coming back, but he's still on one of my super deep super flex leagues because it's so hard to say goodbye. But we roster 40 players. It's just hard to say goodbye, and I'm just holding on to this little bit of hope. But he's going to get cut at some point. But I literally have a list of guys to cut. Before Andrew Luck labeled Luck for Scrubs. Todd, and based on the history of this show, I feel obligated to tell you it's over. Find a new show. <laughs> I know it is. I will let go at some point. It's still a little fresh for me, but I totally respect the decision to walk away from the game, though, too. So the actual guy I want to talk about who's actually active is uh, Marcus Mariota, who I fell in love with in 2012. When he was a freshman QB before it was cool. Back when it was actually rare for freshmen to step in as a true freshman. Accuracy, poise, running ability, size. What was not to love about the guy? He was supposed to be a fantasy monster. It was all there. I don't understand why that didn't become a thing. Marcus Mariota should have been a fantasy stud. I know why he wasn't a thing, Todd. Why? Because he had four different... Offensive coordinators in five years at Tennessee. Yep, 100%. And, the, and he had a terrible offensive line for several of those years. And when, yep. when he broke his leg and he showed flashes of brilliance and the conservative coaching hires in Tennessee were terrible and they preached ball security over taking shots and systematically moving the ball downfield and being dynamic runner. And that's why he didn't, he didn't succeed. All it, true. It, how do you, dare you, Todd, think that I would not talk about Marcus Mariota and not bring up my boy, Love the guy, the, Jabber, yes. the Jabberwocky, the, <laughs> the Jabberwocky, the Jabberwocky out in Green Bay. So that's why he didn't happen, Todd. He lives. Marcus Mariota lives. Let the fight continue, sir. 100% a buy low for me in Superflex Leagues. Derek Carr is one bad season away from not being a starting quarterback. And Marcus Mariota could get his shot and take it. And he's not that old. Bad I, season. He's a three-game stretch away from not being the quarterback. Hey, I'm going for the like the conservative side of this argument here, buddy. 
it's not that his job is in jeopardy. I agree. It's not, it's not like he's on the hot seat or anything. But no. they would not have signed Marcus Mariota if it was 100% secure. Gruden loves his guys. Like, there's just certain guys that... Gruden QB love. camp. Gruden yeah. QB camp. Loves Mariota. And I'm really happy that that's a marriage, and I'm glad I haven't let go. I actually traded for Mariota in two leagues that have Superflex just because I knew the price would be right. In one league, I gave up a third. And then in another league, I think I gave up a second and got back Mariota and a third. Sean, you know why this is perfect? This is the masterpiece. Mariota's going to come back in, be the QB2. He's going to practice a lot with Brian Edwards. And they're going to build a rapport. And they're going to come on, and they're going to take the lead in the second half of the season. There it is, I love it. I'm all in on this. Um, Guys, where does Wynn Bowden fit into this? He doesn't. You guys wait and see. You'll wait and see. You'll see. He's a beast. But yeah, no, Mariota, that was my guy. But yeah, I knew Dave was going to chime in. Dave, I got to tell you, that was a setup, and you just took it perfectly, man. I just went, why, why? I'm like, Dave's going to answer. Dave's going to answer. It's going to be great. Dave, who was your second guy? I could have just kept on talking about different wide receivers the entire night, but I figured I'd try to give everyone a little bit something, a different flavor. And I've mentioned him briefly at times, but it's Ito Smith running back for Atlanta. I love it. First reason, and the only reason you really need is Todd Gurley's backup. Mr. Hobbly Knees himself, Mr. Arth- knee Arthritis himself. That's all. He's the backup. And he's got to compete with Brian Hill. Yeah, I think I'll bet on the, the receiving back in a high-volume passing offense. And then if he ever steps into a, a number one role, yeah, I'll take Edo Smith. And we, I think, Todd, you and I were both very high on Edo Smith before he suffered that concussion. Was it a yes. concussion yes. that knocked we, him out? Yep. Well, because he um, Same he ran the ball, he actually played. He Like, it wasn't just the receiving piece. Like, he actually ran the ball pretty efficiently. I'm not trying to say, like, he was blowing any doors down, but he was getting it done in multiple ways. I really enjoyed Edo Smith, yeah. I was just cheekily Um, saying that they got a concussion in the same shower. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shower buddies. Yeah, the same shower four years later. (laughs) Kevin Coleman goes down 2016, 2019. There goes Edo Smith. As Todd was saying with Edo Smith, he handled every down duties in college. He was handled the load in college was extremely dynamic out of the, receiving the ball, and he's shown that in the pros, and he's demonstrated a p- solid playmaking ability by evading tackles and juke rate. I love what Ido Smith can possibly produce, and he's a forgotten man because of that injury. But I'll tell you one thing. Atlanta has not forgotten him because all they have behind Todd Gurley is Ido Smith and Brian Hill. That's it. Yep. I mean, he had 90 rushes for 315, four TDs. It wasn't like he was like, doing phenomenal with, like, moving the ball. But that's enough work there to go along with some receiving upside. He was just he was a better runner before he went down at the end of the year. I, I love Edo Smith. I think that he's just cheap, 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 baby. And good depth guy. Sean, do you have any takes on Edo Smith? Yeah, I mean, I get it. I wouldn't buy him. I think he's, he's too small to be a real every down back. And 200 pounds. Uber efficient. But isn't he, like, 5'9", five, 5'8"? You know what that means, Sean? Good BMI. Ooh, oh, must. BMI. How, how could BMI. I blow my past that? Good, good grief. Good grief. We haven't talked um, about BMI in a long time. The first 10 episodes was all about BMI. It got ridiculous. I think even if something happens to Gurley, there's too many other good receiving options there for that receiving back load that should go to Gurley would just automatically translate to Edo. But who becomes the every down runner? I think, it's, I think it's a hodgepodge of Hill and Smith and Allison, depending on where they are. You know, Allison yeah, I, think, I, I think Smith's a much better football player than Hill, and I, I think he gets the, the share. Brian Hill didn't see anything until Edo Smith went down with an injury. But, but yeah. you know, he's cheap. I feel like he can't be faulted for pursuing him because of that. I'll take Edo Smith, Sean, over freaking Eno Benjamin. 
Give, give me Edo Smith all day, baby. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, that's I fine. agree with that. Well, that's fine. I agree with that. Well, Dynasty doesn't. Well, Dynasty, Dynasty seems to have conveniently forgotten about Chase Edmonds and how nasty he was for that, like, three weeks last year before he got hurt. Before we go on to Sean's first take, I wanted to say one thing about Eno Benjamin, okay? Drake could be gone, and then he just falls into that, to that receiving back role, and Chase Edmonds becomes the man. You're a year away from him having an opportunity because of contracts. Yeah, yeah, that opportunity of carrying Chase Edmonds' jockstrap. I love it, Todd. Well said. Yeah, it's a serious absolutely. responsibility. But the guy who carries the jockstrap is, is actually a solid depth guy in a lot of situations. <laughs> you know, this is fantasy, man. Like, you know? I know, I know, yeah. Todd. I got to stay on man. All right. Sean, what's your number two, buddy? Yeah, so in the vein of contracts, my second one is Kareem Hunt. Selfishly and narcissistically, it's because his rookie year, I took him as a depth guy because that was when it was supposed to be the Spencer Ware show. And then, you know, it was a dynasty league and a startup. And I was thinking like, oh man, maybe he's two years away. And then of course, Spencer Ware goes down and Kareem Hunt is magical. He... And you knew the whole time, right? You no, I didn't. I'm saying time. it was just phenomenal that I went into a situation thinking like, hey, maybe this is a good play for later because <laughs> this is a kid who's got some talent and it turns out to pay off immediately. It's a re- yep. It was a real lightning in a bottle moment. So I'm just glued to him forever now. And he's staying in Cleveland this year. They gave him the tender. But next year, he's going to be out of there because there's no way. And I was listening to the fantasy footballers the other day, and they were talking about Kareem Hunt and that probably won't be an RB1 again. He won't be the every down back for a team because of his history. And yes, his history is terrible. But what we've seen from the NFL absolutely conflicts with how people feel about individual players because we're also talking about the same league that's led by an automaton whose robot machine where his heart should be always just points to the dollar sign and the dollar sign means the league doesn't care you're probably going to miss out and what you're going to miss out on is kareem hunt next year probably playing on teams like arizona that will need a running back and has a phenomenal amount of cap room but the other teams in the top 12 for cap room next year all include the New York Jets, who will need a running back, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who will probably be in the running back market, the Seahawks, who might not want to extend Carson, who will be up after this year, the Jags, who are definitely going to move on from Leonard Fournette, and you got the Dolphins sitting there too, right outside of that with a ton of money to spend, and they've got Howard, they've got Breida, but they could just as easily move on from those guys after this year. So for Hunt... He's probably not the big dart throw name that some of these other guys will be that we're going to talk about, but he's a guy that has a tremendous amount of value right now because of what next year will mean. You're talking about somebody with not a lot of tread on the tires who's going into an RB1 situation on a team that's probably going to pay for him, is going to want to build around him, and I feel like you can't go wrong there. Yeah, Uh, it was well said, man. So when it comes to Hunt, like there's no denying the versatility and what kind of player he is, so that's a guy you don't give up on from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, he's going to produce. No matter where he's at, he's going to produce. And I hadn't even thought about the idea of him in Seattle. That would be magical. I, I could see That'd some really nuts, special right? things. I, I could see some really special things happen between him and Russell Wilson. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, any thoughts yeah. on Kareem Hunt? As of today, $52 million to spend next year. True. True. I don't deny that Hunt has it as a talent. He's a player that I actually be out on. I don't like playing the the speculation game as far as future contracts. 
all these things that you need to have to happen for a perfect scenario to happen. Because honestly, what's to stop him from just signing again to be the, the supplementary piece to, to Nick Chubb next year? There's a lot of stuff that have to happen for this to, to go well. Well, for and one, I, money. Like, yeah. He would get paid yeah, more than that. market, right? We saw what happened with the, the NFL draft. There are not a ton of places for these running backs to land. There's a lot of good running backs. There's not a lot of open space. There's a lot of speculation involved, and you've already seen the prime years of Kareem Hunt go by. Those first three to four years of a contract is where you want to hit running backs talent-wise, and then it, it tails off. I'm not saying from a workload standpoint for Hunt. That's just how the running back position works, and I'd rather – there's been a lot of buzz on him. I'd rather sell now and get the sure capital than speculate with Hunt. That's my only thing because – Unlike everyone else we've talked about so far, Hunt's the most expensive piece we've talked about. He's expensive. He's expensive because he's good, Dave. That's the reason why. And that's also the why that he's going to be able to dictate the market. So I kind of feel like I totally don't disagree with you saying that there's a saturated level of talent, especially at running back and especially at a position that is a little bit more interchangeable than it has been in the past. But what Hunt's proven is that he's one of the more versatile, dynamic running backs that you know what he can do and I get that you're saying that he's those prime years behind him he's only 24 and like Sean said there's not a lot of tread there it's a different situation he's not the guy breaking down by the age that other guys are because he hasn't played the same amount of plays it's so more I of a opportunity of will he have the chance to be the bell cow and there's not a lot of bell cow roles out there sure so I don't disagree with you on that my point being is that what gives Kareem value is his floor. So while you're saying like, and I don't disagree with the fact that, yeah, playing that contrast game can be risky, but his floor is he's going to be that 1B no matter where he is. If he becomes the player behind another running back, that guy's value goes down. Just like that people are freaking out about Chubb a little too much, honestly. But that's the kind of player he is because he's that good. He's going to command touches. I feel like that's a guy that if you're willing to take the risk on, you could. it's not a terrible move. Do you guys so want to play a round of Dave's favorite game? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So according to the DLF Trade Finder tool, which is unbelievably wonderful, as of June 26, 2020, in the Doppelganger Dynasty League 2.0, somebody traded Kareem Hunt for Christian Kirk. Where do you boys Uh-oh. land? Who, oh, who got the Hunt. better value there? Hunt. Christian Kirk all day. Oh, Hunt. it must be, David, of course. Hunt. It's Kareem. It's got to be Kareem. Yeah. I'm not paying RB26 prices. He's like RB26. I'm not paying RB26 so prices. You, so you the, give up wide receiver 38 For like wide receiver 36? <laughs> I think Christian Kirk has wide receiver 24 upside. So versus, okay. So, but you're talking about running back versus wide receiver. Christian Kirk has a better four than Kareem Hunt. I don't agree with that at all. Oh, God. Now you're just lying to yourself, Dave. No, yeah, because that, that's there's, a, there's, a, there's a reality where Cream Hunt never gets the opportunity, and Christian Kirk, at worst, is the wide receiver, two in a pass-heavy offense. I, I gave a very long response to that just a few minutes ago. Yeah, no. Just don't agree. Go ahead. Next one. Oh, that was it. It was just that one. Thank you, DLF Trade Finder, <laughs> the official app of the Tale 2 Rivals. Yes. I thought you had a few ready, ready to go. I got amped. I mean, I've got another uh, one. It's Kareem Hunt and Christian Kirk giving up four. What do you guys think? Just keep it. Just keep it. Just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Julio Jones? Julio. 
No. Just a pick. Just a first-round pick. That's expensive. Yeah. All right. Cream Hunt was a good one, Sean. Uh, We're going to move on to my guy. My number two was Tyreek Cohen. What's not to love? He's the human joystick. He was so fun to watch. Explosive after the catch. Ton of upside. Fell in with him as a rookie. Took those steps in 2018 in his second season. Then he just fell into this dumpster fire that was the Chicago Bears in 2019. But still managed to be third in targets among all running backs in 2019. Why don't I let go of Tyree Cohen? Because I know he's better than the Bears. That's why I don't let go. That's the guy that is just literally in, what should we call the Bears? I, I don't even know. But... Like yeah, the Queen Nag, the Queen Nag. That's what Matt no. Nagy is. He's the Queen Nag. Ooh, all right, we yeah, need some other Nag. creature that sounds terrible. <laughs> so I just really believe that if Tariq Cohen was in a more prolific offense, he'd be blowing the doors off of fantasy. He is such a special athlete, such a special player, and I refuse to give up on him. And I will pound the table for Tariq Cohen. Jesus Christ. And Dave hates when I pound the table. I've been get, getting much better about that, Dave. But Tariq <laughs> um, Cohen is my boy. And if you were an early listener to A Tale of Two Rivals, you probably weren't because you weren't in our league. But Dave and I were obsessed with Tariq Cohen. As we hey, we been. won on that. We won on that. That was, that was a win, Todd. Absolutely, Tariq Cohen was a win for us. I know it's still early in the game, and I still hold on to him. If the Bears ever figure it out, he has RB2 upside easy. If he were in a better offense, he's like a mid-RB2 for me. I I just, I don't want to let go. I can't, guys. Sean, what are your thoughts on Tariq Cohen? Because I know Dave loves him. Pretty low. Um, (laughs) Because, you know what? The, The kid is talented, and Todd really conveniently plugged in this. He had the third most targets for all RBs, which sounds good on the surface. But that also needs to be presented with a caveat of that means he finished with an RB4 finish last season. So his 104 targets were only worth three touchdowns and 450-ish yards. And he doesn't translate what he has into much. And I, think, me. and I think that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out that I think Matt Nagy is the fantasy siren. who seems attractive, who sings a pretty sweet song and all sounded well, but then he drags you in and he drowns you. And he drowned people with Tariq Cohen and he drowned people with Anthony Miller and he drowned people with David Montgomery. And the only person that was strong enough was Allen Robinson, who is a modern-day Ulysses. Todd, that's why he's our perennial plus one right there, Todd. Odysseus, excuse me, I misspoke. That's why he... Fantastic. It's the perfect analogy. <laughs> he's the siren. He's the Homer of our the tale of travels. He is yeah. our poet. He's sometimes our, a little Homer, our, sometimes a little Homer Simpson. Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, that's phenomenal. I, just, I think you know. I think Cohen's obviously got flash, and he is fantastic. He can move around, and he's kind of got this Austin Eckler-ish ability to run out of the slot. He can go in motion and reset on the line, run a route, fluid, flawlessly and be great, but I don't think it's ever going to come to fruition there. And I think you're talking about an offense that spent capital on David Montgomery, and David Montgomery underwhelmed last year for sure. But so did the Bears across the board. 
if you're buying Nick Foles and if you're buying what he brings to Dave's spreadsheets and to the locker room and to the jockstrap division, then it means everyone's going to take a step forward, right? Allen Robinson will probably still be Allen Robinson, but you're going to see Anthony Miller deliver on that freshman height that he had after posting all those touchdowns. You're going to see David Montgomery take that step that he should have. And I just, I don't think that leaves a lot of room for Cullen as this super creative, move him around, do these extravagant things with him that he probably could be on other teams. So I think he is just what we've built him to be. He's somebody who's a great player. He's in an unfortunate situation, but I don't think he's going to get out of it. People who have him, I know Todd has him in our league, are going to want a lot for him comparatively. And I don't think it's worth the price. I think if you can get him for free, get him. Uh, I offered you Jerry, Judy, and Cohen for C.D. Lamb, and you said no. You offered me Cohen for Lamb? I offered you Cohen and Jerry Judy. Yeah, but I would have been a fool to accept that. I could have gouged you for more on Lamb. Yeah, you still can. Mm. (laughs) We're still talking about it two months later. So So I think think that one's fine. I think he's a player that it's definitely easy to fall in love with, but it's just... (laughs) Uh, it is crazy. just the worst of situations. It is not. Yeah. It is and, not great. And that's why I don't want to let go. Nagy will get fired, or Cohen will like eventually leave, and there won't be tread on the tires. And I just hold out hope that this guy that is just superior level of talent just ends up in a situation where he can sign like the diamond that he is. But all right, that's how we're gonna end on Cohen. Dave, who was your third man? Who was your third guy? Goodness, I've been swept off my feet with all these romantic soliloquies for our players. I almost forgot, but it is Andy Isabella. And it's tough to say, Dave, how can you ever say this about a, a second-year player? Wait, wait, where's he from? He's from UMass. UMass? Y- yeah, the, the, a Minuteman. Proud alum, proud alum. All right, moving on. So how can you be a truther? How can you never give someone up? Well, unfortunately, dynasty players have given up. He, they, he is ab- considered absolute no value whatsoever across leagues. He's an afterthought everywhere, and it's been one year, people. He's coming from, and I, Todd, cover your ears, he's coming from UMass, and I'm sorry, it's not unexpected to see need a little bit of time to, to adjust the National Football League when you're coming from UMass. Now, that being said... It's true. I, I'm not trying to disparage <laughs> you at all, Todd. It's true. He is an incredible raw talent. His college profile is amazing. And to give up on this so quickly, yes, they had DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk's there, Larry Fitzgerald's still there. Yes, I understand all of this. But Peter Howard talks about for second round wide receivers, the, the most common breakout year is their second season. Second and third years is where the prime spot is for second round wide receivers. So it's unrealistic to expect a ton out of Andy Isabella in his first year. But when he did see the field, he was ex- uber efficient. He had big. He had a huge big play in that one game, and he a huge yards per reception thing. And he and he, he flashed. And that's what I, see, I that's what I want to see. I flash can tell myself a story. If Kyler Murray is as good as everyone is raving about, if he's the next coming at quarterback in, in in the NFL, I definitely want the the potential wide receiver three in that offense who is not getting the coverage, not getting the the attention that other players like Kirk and Hopkins are warranting. Give me Andy Isabella. I still believe in the profile and, his, and the draft capital. It's only been one year, people. I don't understand why you're giving up so quickly. So I have to ask a question. I guess, I, I don't know. Maybe I just ignored this. Did Larry Fitzgerald retire? He should have. 
Oh, he hasn't yet. He should have. So, so Andy Isabella is gonna replace one of the top six wide receivers of all time who's still been pretty productive. Did I say that? Did I say that? Well, then that would be the wide receiver three. Todd, this well, oh, it's Christian I'm Kirk, saying, the wide receiver four. They're, they're supposed to start. That offense is supposed to start four wide receivers, but they had everyone fall off last year, and they went. And New uh, Hopkins is going to be the one who's not going to get volume. I didn't say. When did I say that? You know, you didn't. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like at some point the math doesn't add up. Is what I'm saying, Dave. How and are all four Larry of those Fitzgerald gonna is be not fed? going to be around? Do you think Larry Fitzgerald's got another year left in him? No. No, no. That's at, well. First of all, Larry Fitzgerald was not terrible last year. Give me the guy who can take the top off the defense. I love the upside of Andy Isabella. If he flashes at this price, Todd, it's been one year. So yeah. you can talk about Larry Fitzgerald, talk about New Hopkins, and whatever you want, but it's been one year. It's way too soon to give up on him. I think my issue with, with your argument is not whether I would give up on him. It's trying to say that year two is going to be his year. It's crowded. I don't think I was saying, was I saying that? You're saying that in year two is when, usually when they make their breakout. Yeah. What I'm saying is the expectation that he was supposed to have a lot last year, Todd. That's sure. The, that's what I'm trying to say is that sure. people are like giving, oh, he didn't do much last year. Well, one, he didn't have a lot of opportunity. And two, am I saying that Izzy and Bill is going to be a, a breakout wide receiver this year? No, I don't think he's going to be. But do I think he's going to show more this year and give us hope for year three and beyond? As if Kyler Murray is the next coming, if Cliff Kingsbury is the next offensive genius? Yes. I think Andy Isabella, people are so low. Now's the time to get him. And yes, maybe if he doesn't do much early on, you can still get him then. But I, I don't want to take that risk of him having a big play, a big game. I want Andy Isabella right now because the discount is there. He's, he's dirt cheap right now. Absolutely. You did ask me for a second round pick for him, and I was like, David, come on, dude. Todd. That's just because I love the drama that is involved in that because of your history. It's so totally fair. I try to get Isabella a lot. Sean, any thoughts? I can't disagree with the fact that he is dirt cheap right now, but what I can disagree with is that Dave has this speculation that long-term he's going to break out and he's going to be phenomenal, but that means that for that to happen, he's also conveniently stepping on another Dave narrative, which is no. what the hell happens to Christian Kirk then? Because that means that Dave is pitching an offense where they have a QB1 in Kyler, probably then who's you're talking like a top six QB. You've got Hopkins. You've got Kirk. You've got their running back Chase who Edmonds. they looked to integrate. So you've got Chase Edmonds who they looked to integrate into the passing game huge. And then your fifth or no, your fourth receiver option is fantasy viable at that point. That just in year three seems in year three, Kyler Murray, 650 pass attempts, rushing upside. Let's go, baby. All systems go. Greatest show ever on turf. Let's do it. All right. Well, I, guess I don't we'll, think I, you I, believe you. I don't really believe me, but the point is, <laughs> I'm saying is that the hate has gone too far. The hate on Indy Bill has gone too far. It's been one year, and he has a talent. He has a profile. Let's not count it out. There's a reason you can. There's a reason why you can say he didn't get it because he was raw. They need to develop. And if you're telling me that a the supposed offensive mastermind Cliff Kingsbury is not thinking of ways to use his second round wide receiver, I'm sorry. I think I, okay. I I'll, I'll remain optimistic. I'll put it this way: they just just too many other better options, including your boy Kirk. Man, I it just no. 
Just no. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Not year expect two. An uptick, expect an uptick this year. That's all I'm saying. Expect an uptick. I mean. Was, so, Dave, just for prognostic. There's not much to move up from. <laughs> so. 2021, right? Fitzgerald's retired. He's gone. What is the ceiling for Hopkins and Kirk and Isabella all working in a high-flying air raid offense, a 650 pass attempt offense in the air raid? Give it to me. They're running. They're running the most, the highest volume of plays on offense. Yes, give me the wide receiver three who can he can turn a five-yard pass into a 60-yard gain. Yes, give it to me. Does he have a ceiling beyond wide receiver three? In that offense? No, I don't think he does. Right. But you don't have to be. We've seen offensive, the, the truly great offenses, like the Rams, you've seen value at that wide receiver three option. And yes, this is the high side of the, project, the, the projection, but at, Kurt, at, at Isabella's value, I'll do it. I'm sorry. I'm not giving up on him. And, and the whole point of this is I'm never going to give you up. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> so you guys can poke as many holes as you want. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I am too loyal, and I believe in uh, the profile, the athleticism, and he showed flashes and limited opportunity. And yes, he is a strong hill up to climb, but I'm here. Lusitania. He is a specimen, and he's fun, but it's just not going to happen, man. But hey, you never give up. You never say goodbye. All right, buddy? I love it. Sean, who's your guy? I feel obligated at this point to round it out with Senor Cameron Brayton. You can never go wrong with a Harvard tight end, especially one that's oh reliable God. in the end zone. Stop, 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 stop. Why could you never go wrong with a Harvard tight end? I don't know. Because of my narrative. Yeah, right because now. that's a stupid thing to say. Move on. Hey, All right, moving on. Look at, <laughs> when he's on the field, he has been one of the most reliable red zone tight ends. Three times a game. Excellent. <laughs> well, three times a game means three touchdowns, David. But you're looking at a team that is dealing with Gronk coming back off a phenomenal flame out from WrestleMania, but who has been injury riddled and on the couch. And I probably can't even count the number of zeros that goes into how many Bud Lights he's probably drank in the last year and a half. He looks much skinnier, bro. Yeah, that's what happens when you go on a high... Straight tequila. Straight tequila. Straight tequila. Okay, fantastic. So all that sugar to the brain is going to do wonders for him. But Gronk (laughs) is old. Gronk is injured, right? (laughs) He doesn't have time to be out there learning this system in the midst of everything that we're seeing during this summer shutdown and (laughs) preseason cancellations. And you guys are are past fans, right? Yes, yes, Sean, you are. You know what is what is Tom Brady charged? What does Tom Brady do to people that don't reliably run routes, don't hold on to the ball, can't secure it going over the middle, will do some weird turnaround and pitch it to the cornerback running at them move? What he happens to those Gronk guys? instead? What if Gronk is on the field? What happens to that guy? Well, then then he'll ask for Gronk to go on the field because he trusts him. And but, then he'll say, hey, why is, not Mike Evans? Gronk why is not filing Chris for Evans? his AARP. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden that Brady doesn't trust Gronk? Like, come on, dude. I think you're looking at a team that's going to have extra blockers on the field. You're not going to see O.J. Howard in the same way you didn't see Nikhil Harry when Nikhil Harry was healthy last year. And Cameron Brate is going to have sneaky back-end value if you're playing in a double tight end league because the tight end position right now sucks. And it's super thin. And it's arguably it's barely bad. even worth retaining in leagues and just eliminating it and having an extra flex position. Sean, you had me 
I was honestly, you were winning me over until you said double tight end league. If you had said triple tight end league, mm. four, like quadruple, you know, a, <laughs> five tight end league, I might have believed you. But once you said double, I'm like, okay, I'm out. I have a question for Todd then. Who would you rather be rostering, Cameron Braid or Andy Isabella? Andy Isabella. Damn it, that backfired. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> one has upside, one does not. So why would you roster the other one? Why would I roster Brait? Why? Okay, why would I roster Isabella over Brait? No, I'm just being facetious. Um, but yeah, he's my okay. since that when he flashed in 2015, then we broke out in 2016. He's been my never give you up guy because OJ Howard should be a lot better, and the fact that he hasn't been yet means he probably won't be. And yeah, Gronk being there isn't great. And Gronk definitely has some upside this year, but I don't think AJ OJ Howard is a factor nearly as much as people are bringing him up to be. He's got an easy, he's got a contract that would be easy to move. Brates is not. And I think that he stands to have more viability as the TE2 in that offense. And whoever that tight end two is, is sitting behind somebody that is injury prone, that's old, that came out as just a favor, evidently, to the quarterback that's learning a new system. He's with a new coaching staff. You know, he's got the voodoo shaman man, whatever his name is, that Brady works with down there helping out. But Gronk's injury history is inescapable. Alex Guerrero is going to make him That's That's who it is, yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, I, I'll be honest. I, look, there is some speculation with Andy Isabella. And I, I don't blame you here. You remind me of when I was a freshman in college at the end of the freshman college, and I had first tasted Jägermeister for the first time, and I thought it was the greatest thing on earth. You tasted Cameron Brait's touchdown, you know, incredible touchdown efficiency that one year, and you couldn't let it go. But then I came back after buying a handle of Jägermeister, and I was like, this is, or I'm going to have to bleep that out. This crap is the worst alcohol I've ever tasted in my life. I cannot believe I thought this was good. And that's, you just haven't realized that with Cameron Brait's high touchdown percentage that he had that one year, that high touchdown rate. So my only thing with Braid is, man, is that your whole argument, ridiculous until the end. When you talked about his contract, which is the strongest part of the argument, but it took so long to get there. And Well, I know you don't have the patience now that you once did, Foster, but... Well, I'm sorry. We poked holes until we got there, and then we both were like, yes, the contract is difficult. Gronk could move on. Like, he came out for a year... Who knows what his plan is because he's always a wild card with whatever he's thinking about. What it like he could just he could retire and just make money off endorsements for the rest of his life. And then with OJ Howard, absolutely think he's a trade candidate. Absolutely. So if that's the argument break, sure. But right now, that's a very muddy picture. And that's two guys that have got to leave. Not one, two guys for him to be able to have that kind of value. I feel a little guilty poo-pooing on his love story. I, Sean, I was a little harsh. No, 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 no. With Bray. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't, I don't want to take away that that love and feeling. No, you, dude, have, you, you went full Manchester by the sea, and it's fine. It's okay. fine. You can have that. Clearly, you need it. David, David, he's totally using him to drive his price up for trades because he's mentioned Cameron Braden like, what, four out of the last six episodes? He's just totally pandering to trades right now. I'll, totally I'll pandering one. the trades. Yep. And it's it's sad. It's sad. 
Kennedy, you're you're supposed to be sad. Eat. Sad. Don't it drink for bread. It's a terrible idea. I would eat it being sad from Dave, but not from you, Todd. That is that is not even the pot calling the kettle black. That is the cabinet calling the kettle black. That is everybody in unison saying to the kettle, "You're the same as us." You just hate my rings, son. You hate my rings. It's not about rings. It's, good. it's Scott. Scott Fish knows it. Scott Fish knows it. <laughs> I got one more. So, for me. This is a guy that when you look at their tapes when they're rookies, we all do this. We go in, we do our research, you look at the numbers, player profile, or whatever, you know? His tape. Whoa. Todd dropping the player profiler. Whatever. Wow. Woo. Whatever it is. Hot stuff. Hot stuff. You know? Whatever it is. For me, Anthony Miller's tape made me fall in love hard. I saw a guy that was tough, that was athletic, that just seemed to make terrible throws appear in his hands, and when he caught the ball afterwards, he was able to make you miss or run through you, and he was just, the definition of what you want is an inside receiver, as in athletic, tough, and fast. And once again, he lands with the Bears, and I was high on him. He had the naggy hype. He was playing with the number two pick from the previous year as his QB. Looked like he was in the perfect role to fall into that. And then it just fell apart. Chicago had so much hype. And I actually listened to um, the Dynasty Theory and their and their episode on Dynasty Ugly Ducklings. And guys, I want to thank you for making me more depressed for loving two players on the Bears. It's it really hurt, and I, yeah, it was rough. They pretty much said that, like, there's, there's value in Miller, which I totally agree, and the only good thing is they're running backs. There's, that's it, you know, and that's that's what the Bears are. So with Anthony Miller, I still believe, but I would love, love nothing more than to get him out of Chicago to about 80% of the other teams in the NFL. So, Dave, I'm going to start with you because when we started this show, pretty sure I talked about Anthony Miller on a weekly basis. Yes, you love Anthony Miller. And I think, believe it or not, one of the biggest things I had against him were the injuries he had because he was coming off a pretty major foot injury in college. And and he has dealt with uh, quite a few injuries in the NFL. And that's one thing that that gives me a pause. And I, but I honestly, at his price right now, it's tough to argue with Anthony Miller. It's just that it's tough for me to... He's in a wasteland. He's in a wasteland. Todd, it's tough for me to argue against future Hall of Famer Riley Ridley. It's just... uh, I'll play that card again because it's just Riley Ridley's routes, the way he makes his cuts, and just what he does with the ball. You know, he's such a smooth route runner and gains such amazing separation that I don't know how Anthony Miller can possibly compete with that what's up with this riley ridley thing because i cannot stand the tape grinders who freaking blow bubbles and puts daisies up riley Ridley's bum for freaking the entire rookie season and say nothing about how bad he is now because he's trash (laughs) and anthony miller yes he's a great price for his thing but i just can have to 
grind this point into the freaking dust about freaking Ridley Ridley, <laughs> who will always be the lowest wide receiver in my rankings on DynastyFootballFactory.com. It's <laughs> amazing. Why is he even ranked? Because I asked him to be ranked so I could put him at the bottom. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, Anthony Miller is actually a pretty good route runner. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Good, um, good call, Todd. I, I like Anthony Miller. Injuries are concerned. Offensive volume is a concern. Fantasy sirens are a concern. Fantasy, but he's a, no, you hit it. Fantasy sirens is a concern. That's a concern. Who, honestly, Nagy was supposed to be the thing, man. Like, we all saw it coming. Like, he came in. He was supposed to be that guru. He was supposed to be that guy. Lots of hype around Chicago. If you say, oh, it wasn't me, you're lying. Lots of people were hyped about Chicago when Nagy first came on. All right? He made Peyton Manning, people. He yeah. made Peyton Manning. It's crazy, man. It's like, oh, it's, it's insanity. Coach Sh- worshiping at its worst. Sean, thoughts? Miller? Sirens? Bears? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm loving Miller this year. I'm all in. I think Miller is fantastic. And I think what's worth noting is that he got struck hard by the fantasy siren. He fell for the song. He took his boat into the harbor. He laid down with them. He rubbed up on some mermaid tail fin, and then he got his head eaten off the way sirens do. Because if you look at his usage over the first, I think, seven-ish, eight-ish weeks, he barely even could get on the field. And who knows why, in the infinite volumes and tomes of coach speak, we'll probably never know. But he couldn't see the field. And then he did get on the field. And what he did over like a five, six game stretch in the second half of the season was great. And unfortunately, he came up again with the same shoulder injury that he dealt with the year before. And like Dave said, that's concerning. His usage per the fantasy siren was concerning. But I think you can't doubt results. And I think Nagy tried to get real cute last year, and it didn't work because his quarterback is terrible. And they brought in a quarterback who's average, so that's somehow an upgrade, and that's the world that the Bears live in. But you can't deny Miller twice. He was good his freshman campaign. He was good the second half of his sophomore campaign. And the only thing that stopped him from being good was not being led on the field. So now he's got to be led on the field. There's no reason to stop him. Riley Ridley ain't getting in the way like Dave just so passionately threw out there. So really, what's he got to compete with on the wide receiver front? Allen Robinson? Fine. There has to be at least two wide receivers anyway. There's Cohen coming out of the backfield. You guys are higher on him than I am. But I think Anthony Miller should, by all standards of reality, unless we're living in a Kanye, Lizard King, Sammy Watkins sub-reality simulation right now, Anthony Miller will be on the field. Anthony Miller will get targets. Anthony Miller will get receptions. He'll get touchdowns, and he will be great. Sean, you know, you know, the only problem in Todd's argument is, is that they're going to be starting five tight ends in Chicago next year. You know what they'll do? They'll trade for Cameron Brayton. He'll be one of them. It'll be magical. Probably. Well, if they trade for Cameron Brayton, they don't trade a tight end. He'll be their ninth tight end. They have eight tight ends on the roster, so yeah, it's probably a, it, it's probably a um. I took that from the Dynasty Theory. I thought that was an interesting part. I was like, wow, eight tight ends is insane. I just, it's so depressing to love two players on the Bears. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world, man. Yeah. Like, you these guys are, are star-crossed that... lovers. <laughs> it sucks, man. I'm like, 
Just trade one of them. Just picking, like, which kid, you know? Like, I don't know. I guess Cohen, because he's a running back. A Sophie's <laughs> choice? Dare you say? <laughs> yeah. So. What's stopping Anthony Miller from getting the wide receiver two on that team? There's no- nothing. Nothing. But nothing. Nothing. But my point being is that, like, wide receiver two on that team is still not great. I mean, I don't know. Like, his ceiling's mid-wide three, maybe. Because because of like how bad of an offense that is, and they're they're not going to be able to keep their quarterback upright. And I'm sorry, I have no faith in any QB in there in that system, just not at all. So we'll see. I I, I won't let go of Anthony Miller in that system, just not at all. So we'll see. I I I won't let go of Anthony Miller. All right. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It. Really didn't give you a lot of information, but, like, remember, fantasy football is fun. And you're supposed to have a good time with it. Go and have the same conversation with your league mates. Dave, tell them where they can find you. So you can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. The SFB Potathon did. We raised over $40,000, and we were really excited to be a part of that on the Tale of Two Rivals. Going past that, Scott Fishbowl's been a lot of fun. It's been amazing to see how the community's come together. And it's been it's just been great doing this all for the sake of charity. And it was a lot of fun to talk to Sean and Todd tonight because it's actually been two weeks since we've talked, even though we released an episode last week. It's always fun to banter with these two. Please hit me up at Dynasty Football Factory and you know, just keep living that that rivalry lifestyle. I miss you too, Dave. I miss you too. Sean, you're okay. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, thanks, Dad. You can find me at <laughs> FF underscore walrus over on Twitter, also at Dynasty Football Factory like Dave. Um, and yeah, Scott Fishbowl was a super success. That was fantastic to sit on the sidelines and watch with no bitterness in my heart about not being accepted into it this year. Um, go watch Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. They're our favorite new sponsor of A Tale of Two Rivals podcast. Also, the song Wait For It probably should have been in my top three because that's phenomenal. And go get your Cameron Bray chairs, people. And t- Sean did not who always undersells himself as the premium plus one. But if he doesn't do it, I will. Sean released a very interesting piece about undrafted free agents, right, Sean? Yeah, so um, a hard look at using Dave's voluminous statistician worksheet. Can think of a better name for it at the moment? Um, just volumes, an overwhelming amount of data that I actually had to call him and be like, how do I begin to sort through this? Because there just is so much. Uh, look at what UDFA relevance is for fantasy for those Zach Pascal lovers out there for people trying to figure out who the next Preston Williams is who's trying to score Tony Romo who's looking down the draft boards who's looking down the depth charts and trying to figure out where to go it's a whole retrospective on what the history is at that position since 2003 or not that position at the UDFA draft capital since then and cards on the table it doesn't look great For anybody who's not a wide receiver, but uh, part of it is out. The rest should be coming soon. And go check that out on DFF. All right. Sounds like a great read. I am Todd Foster at FF underscore Banterman. Uh, I've been writing up a storm over on the Dynasty Football Digest. Uh, I've gave out some articles on some wide receiver bylaws, but my new venture is in the world of Devi. It is by far far my favorite uh format big campus to canton kind of a guy 
So I'm diving deep into that on uh, Dynasty Football Digest. So look into that if you're into the Devi world. And, and, and Todd, didn't you just make a pe- recent podcast appearance? I did. I actually made a podcast appearance on the Dynasty Football Digest podcast. And um, we talked a lot. And Sean and I talked a lot about why he's incredibly too low on AJ Dillon. I'm not even that high in AJ Dillon, but he's insanely low. So um, go check that out. Um, we talked a lot about uh, wide receiver landing spots for the guys that are probably more second to third round kind of draft picks. And uh, good conversation with me, Sean, and Biddy. And um, great followers on on uh, on Twitter. Phenomenal guys. Definitely check it out. And um, yeah, so. Definitely, if you're into Debbie, I'll be definitely putting out more stuff. I'm right now in the process of working on some running back tiers, and I'll be putting that out in the next week or so. So, we are a Tale of Two Rivals. You'll be back. Da 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 Guys, how good's my singing? So, I know you guys are going to go back through it, but... As best you can with the camera angles, try and keep track of what the king is doing because he's very frequently on the rafters in the background. I never. Oh, knew really? That. Oh, it's fantastic. All the times he just randomly, like anytime anything bad is happening, when it's like Hamilton, um, his affair comes out, there's a couple other. Maybe it's when like Washington is retiring and they're writing oh, that send off nice. letter. Spoiler alert. Like, we forgot the spoiler alert sound. Sounded. Oh, that that's an Easter egg. That's not a spoiler. That's true. That's he true. like pops that's in the background. Egg. Yeah, right. He, everyone knows that Washington eventually retires. He does. He does. We don't have a king in this country, despite recent oh, events. That's crazy. And he could have been. King, you have the king just like dancing through the rafters in the background. It's a great find. His farewell address is one of the most like better written things that more well written things I've seen in my life. Mm. I can't speak well, but I, can't I appreciate really writing. thought. I really think our Hamilton discussion is one of our best discussions we've had on the on Tale of Two Rivals. We should just have a Hamilton podcast, guys. So sophisticated. All right, I'll get on that RS feed. <laughs>